1: Athletic.
2: Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tine, your go-to Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic. Coming up on this week's show... Hang on, this can't be right. Newcastle United are more than a match for the Premier League champions. Proper broadcaster alert. BT Sports new lead football presenter Lindsay Hipgrave joins us. And strike a light. The latest on our hunt for forwards with the transfer deadline fast approaching. Yes, hello once again. This is Pot on the Tine. I am Taylor Payne and I did not watch the match yesterday because I was in a field uh, watching the specials. It was great fun, uh, but I have watched the match since uh, and two people who did watch the match at the time is George Colton and Chris Woff. How in the devil are we, chaps? George, are you alright? You enjoyed that yesterday?
1: Yeah, we're a pair of specials, aren't we? We're your pair of specials, Taylor. <laughs> I've seen the specials as well, they're great. But it's very good. yeah, a bit of two tone. But um yeah, I've got a hangover actually, but I've got a football hangover. It's like I've I didn't have a drink yesterday, but it's like that game has given me a headache in a very pleasurable way. It's like I'm pissed pissed on pissed on that match. Speaking of pleasurable headaches, Chris Woff's here as well. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's not a pleasurable headache, he's just a little headache. How
2: are you doing, Chris? That was some game yesterday, wasn't it?
0: It was. I mean, I return and I bring joy back to George's life after the Brighton trip which nearly broke him yesterday. I re-energised him, I re-energised Newcastle United and that was, yes, some... Some occasion, absolutely breathless. I just It was one of those matches where, as a journalist, you're looking up and down, and by the time you look up, so much has already happened. The ball's at the other side of the pitch. Yeah. And just, yeah, as, as, a, as a game first and it foremost. You should look side to side occasionally as well, as occasion. That might help a bit. Might help you to see a bit more. Uh, I preferred my week without you.
2: Now now, children, let's uh, let's behave. We've got lots to get through. We will get to that match. Uh, Man City, reigning Premier League champions, came to St. James's Park on Sunday. Having added Monster Striker Erland Haaland uh, to their already overflown talent pool. Uh, it wasn't a great start of the game. Newcastle gave uh Gunduan the, the freedom of the penalty area at the slot on one-nil early doors. And it for all intents and purposes, Chris, it looked like it was going to be another one of those games against Man City where we got absolutely battered early doors, but they, they, they shot turned things around.
0: They did, and it was. It, it, there was sort of echoes in in that sense of when Newcastle beat Man City under Rafa Benitez a few years ago. I mean, then I think they conceded after 20 odd seconds when Aguero scored. And when when Gundawan ghosted into the box, Bernardo Silva cut inside from. from from that right hand side position and with Dan Byrne playing out of position as a left back and, and, and a move that a lot of people sort of questioned at that stage you would think mm, yeah this could be a very very long afternoon for Newcastle but then for the rest of the first half it was one of those memorable occasions where the crowd was so loud and drove the team on and vice versa and Alan St-Maximin was absolutely out of this world, certainly in that first first half. And Kyle Walker was turned inside out, left and right, backwards and forwards, wherever you want to go. He, Alan saint took him. And, and and yeah, Newcastle responded in such a positive manner. And that was what was brilliant. It wasn't just, right, well, you know, we've conceded now. Let's, let's go into our shells and see if we can just hang on and not get hammered like they did last season. Remember, last season, over two matches, aggregate score of 9-0 home and away. Both under Eddie Howe as well. It wasn't even as if one was before he was there, and yet he encouraged them to remain positive, and that's exactly what they did. And they really did put the frighteners at Man City.
2: It's not many teams can go tour to tour with Man City, is the George. But but Newcastle tried yesterday, and my God, what a response!
1: Oh, it was brilliant. I mean, Chris and I wrote a piece that's kind of that, that went up on Monday morning, and it was about the glory of mess and the glory of kind of chaos. And it was just that it was you know we just have to take a step back sometimes and reflect. That that was a brilliant match to 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 be part of, to witness, to get lost in. I mean, even us sitting in the press box, press box, you know, you know, you've got work to do afterwards. But you just got lost in that game, just as a game in itself, and that doesn't that's not happened to Newcastle very often recently. Certainly not in a game of this magnitude. And you know, you're thinking five minutes in, ten minutes in, even fifteen minutes in. There's no way back for you. You know, we've seen this. It's like, oh God, how many times we've we seen Newcastle put everybody behind the ball. But it was the opposite. There was this brilliant moment and he'd done it a couple of times, but it was like 15th, 16th minute. Newcastle got over the halfway line and Howe is in front of the dugout. He's on the touchline and he's basically putting both palms up and is telling the team to stay there, to stay up the pitch. And that was the plan from the start. I mean, he said afterwards, I asked him afterwards about that kind of moment and he said, you know, obviously the plan wasn't to concede a goal five minutes in but the plan from the start was to be up the pitch against them and how fantastic was it to see a Newcastle team ask questions of a Man City side or arguably the best team in the world certainly up there yeah and ask them attacking questions you know ask questions of their defence not I mean Rafa was brilliant at posing Man City uh problems you know here's here here is your problem to solve and you know sometimes Man City but this was attacking and, oh God, it was just brilliant. It was just amazing. And yeah, St Maxima tearing at Kyle Walker, all of that, but just, you know, just a one. I mean, I'm slightly speechless. It's not very good for a, for a podcast, I realise, but I'm still, I am still pissed on that, on that match. It was just brilliant. It was just wonderful to see Newcastle play like that.
2: I've I've watched the whole game this afternoon just before we've come on to record. I literally finished the game about five minutes before we started this recording. And my head is still all over the place, having watched it. It was such a good game of football. The energy levels, I I don't think I've seen a fitter Newcastle team for a long time. The energy levels they had, the way they were running around the pitch, the ground they covered. Bruno Gimaraes, I have to make a point of this, actually. He got a yellow card after seven and a half minutes. And you wouldn't have thought by the way he was playing for the rest of the game. Uh, And and obviously, Alisson Maximan was on one, Chris. He... Had the bit between his teeth. He was running at car walk. I give him a torrid time. We've spoke about his consistency and we've spoken about his end product, but he, boy, did he deliver yesterday.
0: He did. I mean, just before I got on to Alan San Maximano, who I have written about, just on the point about, about Bruno, I uh, was in the mix zone after the match and a couple of the local Man City journalists came round. And Man City journalists who watched that team every week, the first thing they said to me was, that Bruno's some player, isn't he? I mean that's some compliments compliment that they here. watched yeah for, for what they watched that midfield every week and they were impressed by him because he was he, he certainly certainly first half again he was, he was that good and he could Chris
1: on that same subject Guardiola Guardiola apparently um this is talking to people at City Guardiola talks about him all the time as well I mean I'm not saying this in a in a manner that we should be kind of frightened of but I'm saying it that you know he he is always very complimentary about uh, Bruno apparently but he is just—he's just such a silky—he's such a silky player. But anyway, please carry on about you've—you've you've been up very early this morning, haven't you? Watching back Saint Maximan's performance.
0: I was—I was looking at Y Scout, looking at uh, Alan Saint Maximan, and exactly why he was so brilliant. And what, what was great about Saint Maximan uh, uh, yesterday was we know the talent that he has. We know what he possesses in terms of his ability to beat a man, his ability in theory to cross and shoot. But yesterday he was direct. He, just, he either ran at the the heart of, of Man City, put Rodri under a lot of pressure, came inside and then put the defence. That's where the, the Trippier free-kick goal came from. That came from Sam Axeman driving in and winning the free-kick. the yeah, first, the Stones, first, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, the first goal came having... Sam Axeman had already put in two very good crosses, one of which none of his teammates had managed to get on the end of, the second of which Almiron should have scored from about 10 yards and managed to put it miles over the bar. And then having done... John Sto- uh, having sorry done Kyle Walker twice by going all the way to the byline, he did both him and Rodri cutting back from the byline to cross in for what was Almiron's opener. And then for, for Callum Wilson's, what we saw was him driving from the wing and actually releasing the ball early at the right time that Callum Wilson wanted it and needed it. And then Wilson takes a touch and, and finishes superbly. That is the Alan saint Maximan that when he plays like that, certainly against a team like Man City, which we haven't seen often enough on these big occasions. When he plays like that, that's when you think, when he made those claims not too long ago about, oh, I want to win the Ballon d'Or one day. Well, that shows that he, he has the actual ability to when he, to turn it on the other occasion. It's now about... There, there was, there's a sort of mantra around the club over the, over the summer that like, we need to maximise Maxi. That's what they want to try and do, and that's what they've been attempting to do. At the end of last season, how... Uh, basically took it on one side and said that that, that that we need more from you in this sense, we need you to do more off the ball, but on the ball, I want you to release it quicker, I want you to bring your teammates into play, I want you to still be this free spirit that you are, because that's why you're so brilliant, but, but make it so that you're effective within the team. And there was a lot of question marks, I think, going into to yesterday from, from quite a few people, particularly after the Brighton performance about Sam Maxim and as to, can we were he talk, fit... We were talking yeah. about this
1: before the game, weren't we? We talked about, we are, I won't name them, but we were talking to a former Newcastle player who, who suggested, you know, he, he should be dropped. We had some of this in our match dis- discussion as well on The Athletic, quite a few people saying it was time for him to be dropped. And after Brighton, I mean, I, th- I think that was, I don't think that was a ridiculous suggestion at all, but... Jesus, Christ. I mean, it's like that is if you could bottle some Maximal like that, you've got an absolute world class superstar there. And you know Eddie Howe said afterwards that was his that was his best performance under him. I don't think there's any argument about that. And it it had everything. You know, it absolutely had everything. How do we get that out of him every week? Is it possible? And you know, one of the one of the theories I think we've had, Chris, is that perhaps not had his nose put out of joint since the takeover but he he was the big fish in a small pond at newcastle arguably he was the match winner he was the difference oh here's the savior we remember dwight gale saying that at the training ground and then suddenly the takeover happens and bruno comes in and you know newcastle show that they can win games elsewhere and that but that was his stage yesterday and he just he strode it like a colossus he was magnificent i mean god if if you can get that out of him, one game out of three, one, you know, then Newcastle will be winning games. They would. I really enjoyed. Sorry, I
2: interrupted. I was going to say, I really enjoyed the the Kieran Trippier interview in the post match. Uh, uh. Scenes there where he was standing talking about Alan Samaxman. Apparently, had his arm round him, walking up the tunnel after the game, and giving him all kinds of praise and, and and encouragement. And and then he said in the interview as well, you know, this is this is how good this guy is, and you know, we all believe in him and believe in his ability. and And if he does it every week like this, he's he's absolutely unstoppable. The leadership displayed by Kieran Trippier yesterday at times was fantastic. Stepping in, and he's 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 playing as uh, uh, he's took the role of captain on. And he is wearing that armband with pride and he's doing it justice, isn't he? Yeah, he's
1: he's I mean, I still have to pinch myself, Kieran Trippier plays for Newcastle United. I mean, I just I mean, you know, I love everything about him. I mean, you you talk about leadership, I'm sure we should probably talk about the red card that that was and wasn't. <laughs> I mean, because that yeah I mean that was leadership of an of an interesting sort and you know, maybe a different sort. He didn't make I mean it was a fascinating interview afterwards where he basically he didn't say, Oh yeah, I, I I caught him. I caught him. I caught De Bruyne by mistake or anything. It was a professional foul. It was a deliberate foul. He was digging his team out of trouble. Didn't
2: go to hurt him though. No, no. He
1: felt he had to make that decision to save to save the team. Took one for the team, and he didn't make any bones about that afterwards. He took that decision, and uh, no, that was a you know that was a nail biting moment waiting for for VAR to. To, re- to report and then overturn the red, but god he is some player, and of course his free kick. I mean what an absolute <sighs> I mean what a weapon that right foot of his.
0: Yeah, that's better. Is, is it that two were good, but that one's that one's superb.
1: That's one of the best free kicks I've seen
2: at St. James's Park for what 20, 30 years, I reckon. I've I have i struggled to remember a player hit a ball like that. The fact Edison takes a tiny little step to his left just before he strikes the ball. And whether he still would have got it or not, I've got no idea. But it's right where the spiders live in the top corner, isn't it? There's no stopping it. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Um, yeah, and of course Miguel Almirón got his goal as well. He's uh, he's come under fire recently as well for a bit of lack of end product, but he was there, big daft smile on his face, and got to celebrate the goal twice, Chris, because are... Well, 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 well Taylor. Wait, and, uh...
1: Chris, what were you saying to me? What were you saying to me just before the match? What were you going to say on the pod- What were you
0: going to say on the podcast today? What I think I said to you, and I think it was actually just after we'd missed that chance as well, was (laughs) I may may be going on the podcast tomorrow and being able to say that I was right. You were right. You were right suggesting... I still think I'm partly right. Let's just remind everybody... <clears throat> that Almiron couldn't translate his pre-season form into in season mm. form. Now I'm glad he proved me wrong. I mean, he still did it in a rather odd way. I mean, and he did you not sound like sometimes. you're glad.
2: I'll be honest. <laughs> no, no, I, no
0: I am. I am genuinely glad, and I hope that they, I hope that this sparks him to, to go on again. We've said it about Sam Maximan, and this is Almiron Almoron has added so much more to, to his game Well, more than we, we already knew that he had, but he'd stepped everything up a level. And if you can translate that, then that front three is so potent. It could be so potent. We know that the component parts are there. And Almiron off the ball was phenomenal. I thought he was so good at disrupting what Man City were doing in terms of rushing in, stopping them passing between their centre-backs. The front three in general, I mean, Sam Maximan was joining in it. They really did rush. And a player who... Because he's been playing so well for so long now, I think it's overlooked, but I think possibly was just about man the match. It's very difficult between him, Sam Maximan, and Nick Pope, but I thought Joe Linton was out of this world. I thought he was everywhere. Oh, yeah. I thought he won... The way that he won possession, sending Sam Maximan clear, marauding down that left, I thought he was absolutely superb. I really did think he was brilliant.
2: He's pure box-to-box shithousery, isn't he? He's so good at that job. I can't believe for a minute that we used to think that that man was a striker or a center forward. <laughs> he looks like he's been playing in that position since he was 5 years old and he knows it inside out. I've never I've, I've I know we've said this so many times. I've seen nothing like it in my life. I've, I can't name another time when a player's done this. No. has played this standard
1: and moved positions like this and turned it around, I mean from one extreme to the other. You know, it's like he was born to play this position. He was born to play this role. He was born to play this role for this club. And, you know, he he was that misfit. He He was an example of a club getting something spectacularly wrong. Yeah. And it seems horrible to sort of say that, but it was true. It was true. It's as true now as it was then. But my God, they've, in the process, they've discovered something else. You know, occasionally, sometimes you think, "Well, oh, he's going to get too angry, or he's, he's, you know, <laughs> he's he's not used to this position." But as Chris says, he was sensational yesterday, and it's like he's born to play that role he's playing.
2: There's something I noticed about him yesterday as well, which I absolutely love, and that he goes clattering into these challenges and and he, giving away fouls and all sorts of stuff, and he gets up and he looks like the angriest man in the world, and he's telling somebody to fuck off. But he's got a little smile on his face while he's doing it, and it, and it just—I love it. I just think it's brilliant. He looks, Chris, like he's really, really enjoying his football, and I love that. I absolutely love that.
0: There was one moment, yes, I think it was in the second half towards the Gallagher end, where he he did he, he completely wiped. A man city player on the, on the did, yeah. and then he got up and was just arguing with the with the uh, linesman, as if to say what have I done there and so one those <laughs> one where you got nowhere near the ball he's taken out yeah. it's not like a yellow card I mean, wasn't it? That it was just it was clearly a foul yeah and just arguing arguing the toss just completely it's a not and that's why he's just so involved in it you can see he's so engaged and so into it him and the relationship between him and Bruno in midfield and the in the in the ground that 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 midfield covered again yesterday that was when newcastle suffocated man City at times obviously man city came back into it in the second half off and, and their class told at certain moments but Newcastle weathered the storm and managed to hold on for the point at the end at one stage it looked like have wow, 3-1 this might be a famous win by the end I think they were they were hanging on a little bit for a point because they got a little yeah. bit ragged with the ball when they seemed to tire but that was understandable given the energy that expended up to that point
2: and Nick Pope as well George you mentioned him before but you know some divine intervention from him at times if you excuse the pun but he was He was fantastic again, and I know he shed three goals, but there's not much he can do about any of them. No. And some of the saves he made really kept Newcastle in the game, didn't they?
1: I thought he was absolutely superb, just as he had been against Brighton. I mean, I think, um, you know, one of the conversations sort of we've had is that, okay, that was an interesting... When it happened, you know, that's an interesting signing. You know, is that enough of an upgrade on Dubravka to justify sort of 10 million quid at a time when, you know, Newcastle are facing FFP and... You have to just hold your hands up and say he's been fantastic. It's no slight on Debravka, but he's not only has he earned his place in this team, he has shown that there's he's a class above, that you know, it's the next step up. And um he's just yeah, he's just been brilliant so far. Not just, you know, again, talked about his kicking and stuff like that, but he's actually able to start moves off. Um and he imposes himself. That's that he was doing that all the way through the game yesterday. In a game that can be really, really difficult, you know, because you've got all this talent on the Man City, um, on the Man City side, but he imposed himself, and yeah, just brilliant to see.
0: Just another thing that we were chatting about in the press box, and I didn't explain this very well to George, so I'm probably not going to explain it very well now. But <laughs> uh, I was trying to, I was trying, I was trying to suggest why I. I'm so, being so impressed by Pope, and I, and it's when as good a goalkeeper as Dubravka has been, he's been excellent for Newcastle. When Pope makes an intervention, it feels like it really is changing the match. And I think it's partly because of the way that he distributes the ball very well in terms of quickly and he tries to get up the field. So that's partly the way that Newcastle have shifted playing. But like, for example, when Haaland gets through and he has that chance to... And, and Pope's already out and he's already caught it. Or when he comes and claims across, it feels like he's always in the game. He's always active. So that that's where I think that he has made a significant difference because he feels yeah. like he's always influencing proceedings.
2: That save onto the post from Haaland was... Was absolutely world class, and you know what? Steve Stone mentioned this last week when he was on, and he said Nick Pope will make big saves against big teams when you've got your back to the wall, and that's exactly what he did yesterday. And he's 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 already repaid that transfer fee. As far as I'm concerned, he's been brilliant since he's came in. So we'd probably say Arsenal was the the best performance we've seen post-takeover, but that might have been the best game we've seen since
1: the takeover, George. What do you reckon? It has to be, doesn't it? I mean, I think it has to be. I mean, Ars- I Arsenal so, yeah. was in- absolutely incredible. I mean, the atmosphere was incredible. You know, it was astonishing in a good way for every single reason. But I think just, you know, Man City are the best team in the country they're probably the best team in Europe there's you know they've brought in Haaland I mean Haaland was incredible terrifying (laughs) creature I think I think (laughs) yeah I I mean but to to recover the way they did I think City had something like 80% possession after 15 minutes and then Newcastle had a go it was you know it was front foot stuff it was seeing Newcastle pose man city defensive problems not just problems for them to attack into and yeah i loved it and yeah for half an hour or so it was just these two you could see newcastle being the club that they want to be and just having a go Oh, it was amazing it was brilliant yeah it has to be yeah it has to be surely chris what do you think
0: i think i'd agree with the obvious caveat that i wasn't at brighton I sent George there, so I didn't see that game. So that that may well have been one of we oh. haven't mentioned that oh. before. Chris, you had to ruin everything. We haven't mentioned Chris. You? you had but, to ruin but, everything. No, I'd, I'd concur with everything George said. Arsenal was a phenomenal night but I also think that Arsenal weren't at the best primarily because Newcastle made sure they weren't but Man City had periods where they were phenomenal and De Bruyne showed how brilliant he was yeah first half Newcastle shut them down Newcastle stopped them playing after they'd taken the lead and for them to really contest in that way the new way that Eddie Howe wants to play was interesting after the game talking about being brave and that the best teams are brave and to to try and challenge them you've got to be brave yourself and at times Newcastle had six seven players attacking altogether. you wouldn't have seen that had a few years ago with Newcastle it was always counter-attack maybe saint and Almiron possibly a striker he might have three players up the pitch but Newcastle were committing bodies forward and they were, t- they were playing a high defensive line which maybe allowed Haaland to get in a couple of times which allowed Man City to get into certain positions and for the fact that, 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 that they really did at one stage, make Man City look very, very unsettled in the way they're playing. To have done that, and not just 10 minutes into the game, this, you're talking 75 minutes into the match. I think that is that was excellent. Yeah, so that that is that is a barometer of what they're trying and reach. They're not going to reach that every week, but that is they've shown they can do it. And so they have to try and just just keep reaching for that sort of level.
2: I think for me, the overwhelming emotion from coming out of yesterday was pride. I think uh, I felt proud of that team. And I think Newcastle really now have a team that they can be proud of and a team they can get behind. I thought it was an absolutely wonderful occasion. Right then, let's wrap this little section up, chaps. We'll be back in just a bit with Lindsay Hipgrave. But before then... Remember, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just one pound a month for the first six months right now. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and you get full access to all of our great writing as well as ad free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts. That's TheAthletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Sign up now.
1: Come on, you Maggies. Hello, I'm James Richardson. If, like me, you've ever felt like one of Cantona's cows watching gamely as football steams past like an express train, then why not join me three times a week over on the Totally Football Show? This Monday, for example, I'll be joined by Daniel Storey, Tom Williams and Benji Yardo to explain what actually happened this Premier League weekend. Huh. Tuesday, it's the turn of the Euro crew, Horncastle, Honigstein, Alvaro Romeo and Julian Laurence to drop knowledge on all the continent's big stories, including this week the biggest last-minute Come back in Bundesliga history. Woof. Thursday then, it's back to our septic aisle to preview the weekend's Premier League games again with data beta Duncan Alexander and this week, analysis from Carl Anker and Adrian Clark. Join us then for cogent insight, fun, and a few feeble puns, plus the odd move from me. to search for the Totally Football Show wherever you get your podcast.
2: But it looks like Newcastle is going to be a much more influential place in football's future. And we're not just talking about the club. It's an honour and a privilege to welcome BT Sports' new lead football presenter and Big Magpies fan, Lindsay Hipgrave, to Yay. pod on the tine. Hello, Lindsay. Thank you for joining
3: us. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Absolute pleasure. I'm, I'm literally buzzing.
1: <laughs> literally buzzing. That doesn't sound. Literally, <laughs> good.
3: totally. Do you know what? I, I literally emailed your producer last week and said, "I'm just the only thing is, I'm really looking forward to it, but it's just such a shame that I'm coming on after we play City, and now I literally spent the whole day. I can't wait. <laughs> oh,
2: Fantastic dear. stuff. Oh, Brilliant no. stuff. Well, Lindsay, congratulations on the promotion. Hugely deserved. Uh, and you. is there going to be a big difference in your? your day-to-day work going forward
3: do you know what it's really funny because i i I sort of spent the whole lockdown when we covered every single match working on premier league every single week so it's it's kind of a new thing for me and it feels very different but it but it's not new as well um it's just doing it more consistently and i guess and having something that i can make mine and, and really try and put my stamp on as well um and I was doing a few games last season as well, um, while Jake was focusing on the Champions League. So it's it's just doing it more consistently, really. And, and just knowing that every single week I've got a Premier League game in the diary. And, and for me, it just doesn't get any better than that.
1: And it's, I mean, it's, it's hugely exciting time for you, obviously. It's a hugely ex- exciting time for Newcastle as well. There's that very nice um, mix of both those things. I mean, I think our podcast sort of started off as a sort of, Weekly um, counseling session for, for us probably <laughs> yeah. like group therapy
3: wasn't it? I wish like I got an invite to that. <laughs> I could have done with it.
1: I'm sorry, I, and it, now it's like the opposite. We're just trying to calm each other down. I mean, life <laughs> it, life feels good at the moment, doesn't it?
3: It does, and do you know what? It, it couldn't be the perfect time for me to have this job. It really couldn't. It's just not not just doing Premier League week in week out, but having a lot to be excited about and a lot to look forward to as far as Newcastle are concerned as well. Um, I was quite lucky that, that a few years ago, I, I did the championship highlights when, when Newcastle were actually in the championship and doing well, and we had that great sort of run and Brighton were in there. And that just fell perfectly for me timing wise, because I was following Newcastle week in, week out and, and this um, to, to have so much to, to look forward to with Newcastle is, is just the, the cherry on the top, really.
1: And you're going to be do you're going to be doing the job when Newcastle win the title this May?
3: How, how, how good is <laughs> Can <that>? you imagine? <laughs> 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 Not <laughs> quite yet. Someone's going to have to try and control yet. me. Yeah, give it, oh, give, yeah, it yes, give it a few years. Give it a few years.
0: Lindsay, in the interim between you covering Newcastle doing well in the Championship and the here and now, the exciting here and now, you've obviously done Premier League games, European games, and Newcastle have been going through the, the doldrums for, for for a positive spin on what's happened over the past few years what has it been like for you is has that helped you sort of mentalize or has that made you sort of envious as to oh would it be great if Newcastle were in this situation how have you processed that
3: it hasn't helped definitely not it's been utterly painful <laughs> um no it's been awful I mean you you guys know it's it's horrible it's just going going from what I had when I was a kid watching Newcastle and and the excitement in the city and the way I grew up, the games that that I went to and just the whole feeling in the city to what we've had for, for the past few years, just that feeling of utter sadness i guess going into a season thinking it's just going to be another scrap and it's just same old same old you know no hope and what what's football without hope i just feel like now we've got so much of it it's i'm bursting with it and it's like it's not even so much about league position it's seeing the progress and and it's also going into those games against the top teams and actually having a go and competing and not just going into them with the the mentality that we're just going to hope that we don't lose and Actually, try and go for it, and, and that difference in mentality. I think that that was what was the, the biggest moment for me yesterday. We've actually had a goal against Man City, I, I nearly won.
2: <laughs> exactly, that's it. And there's not many occasions which are as exciting or as, uh, you know. At spine tingling as those big games at St James's Park. Are you going to be able to get up there and cover any games at St James's Park?
3: I hope so. Do you know what? I've got all my fixtures up to the the World Cup break, and I've got no home games as yet. So I'm oh. a bit like. Doh. But um,
2: maybe they're worried you're just going to go off. M- if, if m- we score m- maybe if we they're leave. like, we can't,
3: we can't trust her. We can't send <laughs> her up there. But I'm, I'm hoping they'll be, they'll be one soon. I'm going to come up, I think, and interview Eddie before the Liverpool game. So I am going to be heading home. So that, that'll be nice to do before that match. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty good at trying to stay relatively neutral when it, when it's a Newcastle game. It's not what's going on inside, but uh, so far I've managed to be quite professional. <laughs>
1: Come on then tell us if we're talking about St James's tell us about your kind of black and white heritage tell us tell us when it started for you and what your sort of what your most important moments are as a fan
3: I, well, my dad's Newcastle daft. So he's just had me support Newcastle since as, as long as I can remember. And I've got an older brother as well. Um, so everything was just Newcastle crazy when I was growing up. And my dad used to take me and my brother um, to the ground. Like my first memories of going was when it was it was still standing and the barriers. And my dad used to get a, a massive bit of um, form from work. He was a printer. And used to, we used to go in early because you had to get in early so you could get a decent spot. And I think I must have been about seven or eight or something. So to try and not make sure we were in a fairly decent position, we'd get in quite early. And he'd just bring a bit of foam in and stick it on the barrier so that I could sit on there. So it was a bit more comfortable. So I had a bit a bit of a squidgy <laughs> seat. Um, and I remember being in the family enclosure as well with sort of headphones on, listening to the commentary. But it, it was all through great, great days, you know, with Keegan there and the whole city was was absolutely enthralled by the team and the matches and and that was my sort of like proper introduction to St James's so to have that back I feel like we've got that back now that's
1: it isn't it that's such it's so happy yeah it's such a it's such a brilliant way of putting it having that back I think we'd lost those days in some ways I mean they were you know that's my that's my kind of most important period I was it's like I'm, I'm, I'm older. I mean, I'd come back from uni and I got ai went to every game, 92, 93, and, um, you know, kind of loved it. But it's like it was almost too painful to think about. I mean, and now, you know, at a time when the club was straining to sort of win something, that that was the massive obsession at the club was to win something, to have that back now and to, you know, to give that to a younger generation. But you can almost like, we can almost sort of re-embrace that Memory, can't we?
3: Definitely. And I'm just so happy, like for my nephews who are up there as well, because they hadn't yeah. experienced anything like that. And they're, they're just crazy about it now, you know. I mean, to the point where my, my nephew asked my mum for a Gucci headband for Christmas, <laughs> she nearly spat <laughs> her tea out. <laughs> <laughs> but, so they're, oh, they're wow. just, just obsessed with the team now and they can go with my brother and, and they can experience sort of what we had I mean I, I went sort of back in the day I think when it when it wasn't so great but also yeah. that that whole season when we got promoted I remember being in town for the open top bus parade and my dad was working so my uncle took me and my brother over because there was no way we were going to miss it and, and just the whole city was was mad there was people hanging off traffic lights and they were on rooftops and lampposts I just remember the the people just hanging it was like the sound of music you know when the kids are in the trees (laughs) there was just people (laughs) hanging everywhere in the city and you just that's for me oh, it's just class. that it was impossible not to sort of fall in fall in love with it.
2: My little boy's going through the same thing at the minute, he's eleven and I've started taking him regularly and, and, and honestly the, the look on his face whenever we go into St James's Park is just brilliant. Yeah. But I had to give him two years of abject misery under Mike Ashley before he got <laughs> to this point. I thought you can't have it that easy, no, son. You, you can't, can't just go straight in at the top. You have to suffer for a little bit. Oh, while you've got to take you, the
3: rough with the smooth. So you
2: understand, you know?
3: Definitely. And now he can appreciate it even more. Absolutely. Lindsay, for, for a
0: broadcaster, I mean, we anecdotally assume it was the case, certainly was in terms of readership and interest in Newcastle, that really, because of the the lull period, because people were disaffected, they didn't want to read it, there wasn't as much interest. What Was that the case in terms of with the coverage? And now, is there, when Newcastle are on they were always a big draw, anyway. But is is it just is there so much excitement and and other figures just so high because people just want to watch Newcastle? Do
3: you know what? They've always been a, a massive draw, even even f- through the sort of hard times. That's that's the thing, and that was why that that sort of it felt like the club was just untapped. We weren't appreciating and make, making the most of this incredible fan base that we've got, even through those those dark times. Everybody was still. Committed, even though there was lots of people saying, "Oh, I might get rid of me season ticket. I'm not. I'm going to just got to stop watching them. I'm going to give up." It's hard to do that. You can't because it's your team and it's your club. So people just rolled it out almost and, and suffered it because they didn't want to didn't want to let go. But now, obviously, I think it, it, it's just gonna it's gonna get bigger and better because all all the kids coming through who've only had, like you said, they've they've only had those bad times. Now now they're going to become obsessed like we all are
1: <laughs> can you talk us through your sort of what you working saturday or a match day when you're when you're going to the bt studio how does that work talk us through what your kind of average day looks like
3: well it sort of starts during the week really i think a lot of people think you just rock up on a saturday and um and and it all happens like I I sort of had my first message from my producer this morning about Man United on on Saturday you're already thinking about the next one in terms of what we might do which pundits we've got on and then you start thinking about chat points throughout the week and, and and topics of conversation then we get a whatsapp group going with the pundits so they can chip in and, and give us their suggestions of the things they want to talk about because we very much want them to to lead those discussions. We're not sort of forcing bits of analysis and stuff on them. We want them to very much drive that. As far as the the match day goes, it's, it's sort of turn up about nine on, in the morning for the for oh the twelve God. thirty kickoff. That's
1: even earlier than Chris.
3: Yeah, but it takes me an hour to get me makeup and hair done.
1: <laughs> well, the same for Chris. I mean,
3: exactly the same yeah. for Chris. <laughs> And, and then we went and then we're out sort of rehearsing from about quarter past 10, I'd say, because we're doing all the build up from pitch side, which is great. And we've been getting quite a lot of access, which is which is brilliant this season. so we're we're moving different positions. we're just running through everything and then it's into into the match.
2: It makes this podcast look positively amateurish in comparison when you when you talk about how much goes into your you, work. You, and you're lucky if you're lucky if some of us are wearing pants while we record this. <laughs> it. It's like <laughs> we rock up ten minutes before and then we do this and it's no, but it's fantastic, to hear That
3: just I hope you're all not sitting in your shorts at the minute. But. No,
1: Chris. Chris has been known to to be eating lasagna whilst we've been recording. That was a low point. <laughs> Which was a low point. We did start out. We did when we started a couple of years ago. We were actually in a studio in the middle of Newcastle, which was kind of quite good fun. But I think sort of standards of hygiene and I don't know decorum have just slipped
3: since lockdown, <laughs> mainly
1: led by Chris.
3: But you say that though. It's just talking about football all week, so it's it's hard to call it work. You know, it's yeah. messages and emails and conversations all just about football and the game, and it's. It's not work to me. It doesn't feel like work to me.
1: It feels a lot less like work at the moment. That's definitely true. And I, I kind of want to—I want to embarrass you slightly, if you don't mind. But um,
3: I don't know yet.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's, it's it's fine. Honestly, I promise. But um, but I kind of want to say thank you for sticking up for us through some very difficult periods. It's not Taylor's full-time job, this, but obviously Chris and I. This is our job. And I think sort of in the past there have, there have been moments when Newcastle, particularly Newcastle fans, have had a very bad rap, I, th- I would say, nationally, and and often from pundits sometimes. But you've always stood up for for who you are and where you're from, and I think it's amazing to have people like you and, and, and Alan Shearer, you know, in particular, sort of in positions that you've got. It's completely well, you know, it's properly deserved. You're you're a star. You're you're absolutely brilliant at what you do. But thank no, you. Now you for are sticking... embarrassing me. <laughs> Good. Thank you for thank you for sticking with us, and thank you for standing up for us.
3: But you know, I'm I'm Georgie through and through. I, I don't live I up there anymore, but my whole family are there. I'm up there as as much as I can, and and I'm very very proud to to be from Newcastle. You know, I, I absolutely love coming home. I love the city. I love the people, and I'm really proud of that. And I think sometimes people do you misunderstand us a little bit, especially when it comes yeah. to football. People look in from the outside and we think we have all these unrealistic expectations. I think we expect to win the league immediately. We want we want to sign Mbappe, all, all these ridiculous ideas. All Newcastle fans actually want is, is a team that they can be proud of, a team who will work hard, um, who are decent people, who will care about the city and the fans and the club. Um, they're not just in it for themselves. You're know, obviously a trophy down the line would be lovely, and and a nice, uh, a a nice run at the in the top half of the table. But but people don't have crazy ideas about about what we can achieve. We just want something to be proud of.
1: Do you not think that's, I mean, I've always had a real problem with that word expectation because I, I mean, I think quite often as Newcastle fans, if there's an expectation. It's that things will go if things can go wrong, they will go wrong. You know, I think that's their sort of expectation. But I always remember Sir Bobby saying that you know, he thought, you know, with his incredible career with England and Barcelona and, and everything, but he would always say that the highs are higher at Newcastle and the lows are lower, so low that you would he would have needed his old pit helmet to sort of get through the gloom. And I think that's right. I, I think that when there's momentum behind the team, mm. positive or negative, you feel it more. So as soon as there's something to get excited about, oh, it's like we're just so enthusiastic. And then when things are bad...
3: We take it harder. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I think there is that sort of... Do you have that sense as well?
3: Definitely. I mean, I I, I, at sort of 3-1 up yesterday, I I said to my (laughs) husband, I was at my mother-in-law's 70th and I'm trying to follow the game on his phone because I was like, there was was no way I couldn't and everyone was fine because they know I'm Newcastle daft. So I'm, I'm, I'm in this party in the garden with about 50... 50 hip graves all, all at this 70th birthday party. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm on my mobile phone in the garden follow, following the game. And it's really, he's like, oh, you're, you're going to get totally carried away, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, of course I am. Of course I am. And then I said straight away, but we're definitely going to be on the wrong end of another 4-3 classic. Gonna That's what's going to happen. I just <laughs> yeah, My, my initial yeah. reaction was to say, this is 4-3 and we're going to lose it. But then afterwards, I, I knew straight away what, what town was going to be like. And what the atmosphere would be like there, and I just don't think there's many places where you can come away with a point from a game, and you know that that emotion and and that excitement is going to carry on for a whole week in that city. It 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 will. Everyone in that city will have a spring in their step for a week after that, and that's just a point.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
3: because of the performance,
1: and after you've conceded two goals as well, to make I mean that's it. It was, but there was a roar at the final whistle. There was that huge. Raw as you said, I mean the the four three of course. It, in some ways, it would have been perfect if it had been four three. That would have been the perfect result. I mean, I don't mean that. You know, I know that sounds crazy, but it would have been that proper. It would have been that proper echo to to a past to a past era. But, um, I quite I think I preferred all in all, I think I preferred the point than losing four three, but um but maybe
3: maybe we're the new entertainers now, but but different to the entertainers whisper because it. we're yeah whisper but, but, it. but maybe yeah. when we're, when we're different to the old entertainers because this bunch of entertainers didn't lose four three they they came away with a point there's a bit more resilience there, maybe,
1: and just having that feeling, I think having that feeling of. Sort of being the best of Newcastle. I mean, so Newcastle in the past under Rafa, under Steve Bruce as well, showed that they were capable of getting a positive result. But it was often everybody behind the ball and it was, you know, hope not to lose. Whereas that was, the way I'd describe it is that's the team playing like the stadium sounds.
3: And feeding off each other. Yeah, yeah. And that—how nice was it to see, like, how standing there, telling them to stay forward and, and yeah. not,
2: yeah.
3: you know, drop deeper—it was just so refreshing to see that that he's coaching them. to to not only be good enough to to go tour to all with Man City but to actually believe that they can do it They, they have that belief in themselves and I think that's coming from him
2: I think as a fan the thing you want to see as well is progression in the team and in that squad and the way that they play and the way they approach games and I was at the the last City game at home when we got absolutely turned over back at Christmas and um and the the difference in the in the unit from then till now is just incredible isn't it the belief they've got in each other and, and in the team is great
3: definitely that's what it is they they actually have that confidence and and it's all down to what they're doing on the on the training ground I think and obviously positive results build that that builds you know off the back of that as well but but you can see the work that's that's going on 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 the training ground you can see how they're being coached and, and the best thing is you can see the difference in the players who were there already. That's another misconception about Newcastle, I think, at the moment is, well, it's just because they're spending money, it's just because they're bringing these players in. Yeah, exactly. It's not, you've got to look at the improvement in the players who were there already. And Willick and, and Cher and, and Shelby before you you know, oh, he was injured. Yeah, of course. You are looking at those players and you and you're seeing how well they're they're being coached and, and how much he's improving them, you know, on the pitch but also confidence wise as well.
0: I mean, Linda, you mentioned you're coming up to hopefully speak to him next week. I mean, George and I have probably not asked very good questions over the course of the last of his time here. So what are you looking forward to asking him that we haven't asked him yet? What are you looking forward to chatting to, to Eddie Howe about?
3: Oh God, you know, I was gonna ask you guys if you've got any ideas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wanna know I want, what his gym routine is because
2: he <laughs> is buff at the minute. He, he is, is filling out yeah. a training shirt.
3: Do you know what? I just I wanna know about his his relationship with the crowd and, the, and then the fans du- during the matches because it's just ha- it feels like it's happened really quickly I'm not sure if it has it just feels like he he's just won everybody over their hearts and minds immediately and and I want to know how he feels in the middle of that atmosphere knowing that everybody is completely behind him and the team and and how he's sort of built that connection
1: it's fascinating isn't it because he's not Keegan he's not that sort of magnetic quotable personality same as Sir Bobby obviously he's
3: not as emotional is he no
1: but he's stirring this huge emotion isn't he and it's that I mean Rafa was similar Rafa was the kind of fellow that you you kind of longed to give him a cuddle but you kn- you know that that would have probably made him feel slightly uncomfortable I mean it, you know he wasn't that sort of he wasn't that sort of massive personality but How's got a touch of that? It's that sort of a touch, but it's so, that sort detail of
3: somewhere in the middle. He's a, he's a little bit closer towards the sort of Keegan end of the spectrum than, yeah. than Rafa was, I think. He's 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 more personable. I think he, he's. Yeah, I think maybe, fa- yeah. fans probably feel they can relate to him a bit more. But he's definitely that that sort of calm presence in amongst all the chaos, and and which is great because I think we we need that to you know we we need someone who can just rein it in a little bit at times he he'll not get carried away with it all
2: well you know for a fan base that apparently don't take well the southerners and don't accept outsiders. Yeah. I think we've pretty much accepted Eddie Howe. Yeah, good right? point. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. He's,
3: he's he's loved already.
2: Well, I think we'll finish things up, Lindsay, If that's okay, thank you so much for your time. It's been it's been great to chat to you. And good luck for the rest of this season as well. I'm sure you're going to do an amazing job on BT Sport. It's been brilliant having you on. Thank Thanks you so very much.
3: much for having me on. It's been it's been lovely.
2: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Right, there we go. Fascinating chat with Lindsay Hipgrave. George, that was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, we're all going out on the piss with her, so I can't wait. And I've managed to get BT Sports (laughs) Office moved to uh, Northumberland Street, so well done to me. That'll be a much no, needed job injection. Oh no, she's great. I mean, we could have just chatted on forever. I mean, she's brilliant at her job. That's one thing, and so so the promotion is fully deserved. But just. Lovely chatting with a passionate, engaged Newcastle fan as well. So yeah, brilliant.
0: Do you think she sounded more Geordie? Do you think that was because she was with us, or that just did she just sound more? I thought she sounded even a little bit more Jordy than normal. Do you
2: think there was in it up a bit for the pod, for part on the? No, well, I
0: think we all do. I think we all do that. I I, I think you, when you with people who are more, I think that that sort of brings more out of you. I always used to get this when I came up after trying music. to out Jordy yeah. each
2: other. So.
1: I mean, when I'm <laughs> at home, I do only speak in rhyming couplets. Um, I mean you don't yeah. sound
0: Geordie, You you sound like you've got like generic. I'm not a Geordie, accent.
1: I was born in Brussels. Wow.
2: That sprouted up from nowhere, didn't it? Oh. Well anyway, um let's move on swiftly uh and wrap up uh the end of this podcast before we all descend into tears. Uh the women's team, George, fantastic news. The women's team have been brought under formal ownership of the club now. Big news yesterday coming out. Yeah, yeah, really good
1: news. And what that sort of means is prior to that, they were were operating under the umbrella of the foundation, but this means that they're part of the club, and the foundation does a fantastic job, but that was a strange fit as far as I'm concerned. This means that they're officially part of the football club, which I think is absolutely the right thing to do. They're playing at Kingston Park this Sunday against Stockport, County. That's their first home game. I'm going to go to that. I'm really looking forward to it. And so, yeah, I look forward to chatting a bit, uh, a bit more about that next week.
2: Fantastic stuff, uh, Chris. Despite the excellent start of the season for Newcastle, and obviously that terrific performance against City, there is still a clear need. Uh, for reinforcements in attack uh, Wilson Hamstring looked like it might have been an issue at one point in the game is there any update on that? Well
0: Howe said afterwards that he hadn't actually tweaked his hamstring it was that he'd felt a little a little bit of tightness at half time and they said that watching mm. from the sidelines you could see he didn't have his full sort of movement and they wanted a striker who could, could sprint and continue the press he Newcastle had all game which is why Chris Wood came on but obviously that is, that is a bit of a concern we know that, 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 that Callum Wilson unfortunately has been susceptible to, to soft tissue Injuries and, and it's been the area that Newcastle needs to strengthen all the window. The priority going into the summer was to bring in attack and reinforcements. They still haven't. We are now into what's Monday, so it's a week on Thursday that the deadline is so ten, 10, days. Yeah. 10 days left in the window. George wrote a piece last week. Haven't spoken to people in Newcastle. Are confident they are going to make signings, potentially two permanents. Certainly, they're looking for at least one permanent and alone, maybe two permanents, if they can in those forward positions. Uh David Ornstein, in his column for the Athletic this morning, has reported that a second bid has been rejected uh, for Jack Harrison at Leeds, and haven't spoken to people. Subsequently, Leeds are adamant he's not leaving. Uh, he will not be sold this summer. And left Newcastle, we're going to go sort of north of forty million, which I don't think they're prepared to do. It's a lot of money. Someone with two years left on his contract. Yeah, exactly. He played very well at the weekend for Leeds as well. He's someone Eddie Howe would really like, but that one's looking unlikely. The more likely one at this stage, although again, nothing is yet agreed is João Pedro at Watford quite a few reasons why they're attracted to that one a, he wouldn't need to be registered in the Premier League squad, because he's under the age of 21, and Newcastle have a bit of an issue in terms of numbers, it may mean they can keep someone like John Joe Shelby in the squad, particularly if they are looking to sign another midfielder maybe on loan later in the window, as, as they seem to be trying to do Um, and also, he, he's versatile can play across the front positions, and isn't someone who would necessarily expect to come in and play ahead of Wilson, Callum Wilson is the established number 9, we know that he saw so what he can do against Manchester City and so, that one, Newcastle Castle. There's some people around Newcastle who feel it could happen. There's others at the Watford end who are just adamant that it won't. Ishmael Assar was, was potentially going to Aston Villa. That looks to have collapsed. So whether it seems that Watford might let one go but not both, that could still happen. But there are a lot of other irons in the fire. Newcastle have put out a lot of inquiries to a lot of different players.
2: James Madison now looking unlikely.
0: Uh, yes, I, I think that that one is looking unlikely. It seems that he's now uh, well, he has been in contract talks with with Leicester. Unless Newcastle go back, Shock. And blow them. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> exactly. I'm shocked, Chris. <laughs> unless Newcastle yes. go back and, and blow them out of the water, I think that that one is is looking unlikely. Um, it was it it seemed a very difficult deal to do from the very start. Newcastle put in a couple of bids, spent a couple of weeks trying to do that one, but I, I, I'd be surprised if if James Madison's Newcastle player by the end of the window.
1: Well, I was going to add very, very briefly there, I mean, Chris Chris touched on it, but the person I spoke to at the top of the club last week about about where things kind of stood a bit less than two weeks ago before the window was that midfield position, which I didn't think that necessarily that we'd known or sort of understood was a priority for them, but they were concerned, they are concerned or mindful is probably the right word of John Joe Shelby's absence for the first half of the season. More or less, and so that is a position that they're actively looking at too. So, is it, you know, is it two forward players? Is it a forward uh, and an attacking midfielder? Is it a deep lying midfielder? Because we know that Shelby plays very deep and allows that allows Bruno to get a bit further forward. So, there's, I mean, things do f- feel very fluid. We know that they were talking to Chelsea about loan players um, after the Brighton match. So, I, st- you know, the, the hope is. That they could sign two permanently, but it does still feel very fluid at the minute. All I would say is, after that City game, perhaps that gives us a different kind of perspective. Um, you know, they do need they do need those players ideally, but you know, playing like that, Newcastle have a pretty good team, don't they?
0: Can they just sign a Dan Burn to play in every single position? Because it seems he can.
1: <laughs> there was a moment of uh,
2: shades of uh, Lauren Robert and um, Olivia Bernard when he got smacked in the face. <laughs> Uh, by Sven Botman's clearance, wasn't there? And he, down he went. Bless him. He looked like he wanted to continue playing, but at the same time, I thought he doesn't even know where the pitch is. Bless him. He's, <laughs> yeah, I he's
0: think all I think, think he had a little bit of a concussion. I think he had a, was going to have a bit of a sore head this morning. But people I've people close to him, and they're, they're saying hopefully he'll be all right. Yeah, just with a bit of a bit of a bit dazed, I think this morning, but all right.
1: We're all dazed after that. <laughs> Yeah, so Eddie Howe said straight after the match that Dan wouldn't be featuring against Tranmere, and that he'll have to make a few a few changes. I'm doing that match, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Newcastle's, Newcastle's great cup odyssey begins, and I'm sure we'll talk about that next week.
2: And obviously, as well as we come into that last week of the window, the loan market will start to churn, the logjam might loosen up, and you might see players move around, clubs and agents getting twitchy bums, and you never know what could happen in that last seven to ten days of the window as well it gets a little bit tight, doesn't it, towards the end and and players start to move.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. I mean, Eddie Howe was asked about players leaving and, you know, they could still ideally do with a couple of players moving out. And he said, well, not at the moment. We're waiting to see how things stand, maybe a bit closer to the window. You know, we might let people go. And that's the, the position that sort of every club is in. And I'm sure that's the position that clubs in that Newcastle are talking to about their players. They're waiting to see how their squads shape up. It's a bit of a game of cat and mouse and who blinks first. And then as, as players move, suddenly things get shaken free. I mean, another thing that Eddie Howe was talking about at the back end of last week was Bruno and Real Madrid because yeah. suddenly they've sold Casemiro to Man United and are looking for a player. Now, you know, he his, his response to that was very strong, certainly not looking to sell him. But yeah. that's an interesting thing. The better that Newcastle do, the more that other clubs will be looking at Newcastle's players – and how quickly did Newcastle develop? And if someone, I mean, I'm God's sake, I don't want to sell Bruno to, to anybody, but he's not our little secret, is he, Bruno? He's doing <laughs> yeah, it on the it. biggest stage of all. So, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, we've got
2: an issue with formal hands-off on behalf of Pod I on the Time so, yes. to Florentino Perez, haven't we? Get the just, just on your bike, son. Easy. Never mind eyeballing our players. Get on your
1: bike. Come on.
2: I think that's it, chaps. I think we'll round things off there. Thank you so much for your time, George and Chris, and thanks to Lindsay Hibgrave as well for a, for a fantastic interview. It's been great fun uh, this week, and I'm still up a height after that Man City game, I have to be honest. I don't think I'll be coming down for a little while yet. Thanks a lot to all you lot out there as well listening. That's all from on the Tyne this week. Take care. Bye-bye.